<laughs> Three, two, one. Hey, we're live. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. We are going to pick right back up where we left off last week. I think we covered uh, all the way up to propinquity. So tonight we're going to start it off with the rationalization hamster. Right off in the pissing people off, I'm sure. Right. Before we so, do, we got to jump into some announcements, though. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so last week we uh, we had a nice chat after the show on our uh, on our Red Pill Network Discord. Um, would love to invite everybody out after. Uh, you know, if we don't, you know, we've we had a lot of people actually put questions in the comments, things that we may not cover if we don't have time. As things grow, you know, would love to make that kind of an after show, uh, just to decompress, have a drink, and and you know, any anybody wants to shoot out questions on the Discord that we don't cover, you know, during the live stream, I think that's. Uh, definitely a good opportunity to get those questions out there, get to know us, uh, and so forth. So we'd love to see everybody after the show on the Discord. Also, I want to throw the Discord link. It should be in the description. If not, I'll throw it right here into chat so you guys have it. And kablamo. There you go. So, yeah, just click on that and uh, head on over. We'll be there afterwards. So... Without further ado, let's let's get right into it. All right, let's do this. Let's so, just jump right into it. Yep. So the, the rationalization uh, rationalization hamster is a analogy, metaphor, whatever you want. I, I'm not sure what is the actual right term for that. Is it an analogy or is it a metaphor? Uh, I think it's a, few. Uh, a metaphor is. Yeah. Is uh, English class was when so you say long ago. Is, if you say this is like something, it's a metaphor. If something is like something, it's a simile, and an analogy is like a thought with another thought's hat on it. Okay. So we'll go with that. So this makes this a, uh, yeah, it is what it is. A thought so with another hat, <laughs> another thought's hat on it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's, you see a lot of uh, women will, uh, will rationalize bad behavior or will otherwise excuse things they may have done in such a way. Like the ASD is a good example of this or justifying to themselves, rationalizing why they may have done something that is incongruent with their normal behavior or, uh, or, or predisposition, proclivities, or history. Hooking up with a bad boy when they've always decried bad boys is a good example of this, where then they've got to rationalize why they did it. Well, maybe he's not a bad boy. Maybe he's this, that, or the other. It's just some way to kind of rationalize what happened. Everybody does it just in the community. We happen to call it the rationalization hamster. Uh, let's see. The crazier the decision, the faster the little hamster spins. Uh, there's a lot of memes about this. I don't want to dwell on this too long. You get the idea. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to touch on here is that the uh, women with the rationalization hamster have what's called an external locus of control. Meaning, hmm. you know, when they talk about things, they talk about it just happened, right? I don't know how it oh, happened. Yeah. It's I can't be accountable for it. Uh, I want to rationalize it away, and that's the external locus of control. Men have tend to tend to have an internal locus of control. Uh, and that's the difference is, you know, accountability. Yep. All right. Rejection. Good game takes thousands of approaches. They say what a thousand, uh, doing something a thousand times will make you proficient. 10,000 times will make you an expert. Well, you, you got to go through and uh, do the work. You got to put in your, uh, put in the approaches, do the time and just toughen up. There's no other way around that. There's no silver bullets in this community and in getting better with, Women, work, what have you. You got to put in the work. And again, you'll eventually become acclimated to the rejection. Uh, it won't really matter so much because now you know it's not really you. It might be, it, 
it may have nothing to do with you. It could just be everything about what's going on in her life in that particular situation. So uh, the sexual marketplace and the sexual market value, we're just going to define them right now. So SMV is the sexual economy of supply and demand for sex and relationships. It was first coined by Gary Becker, an economist, way back in the 70s, I believe. Uh, it was further developed by Roy Bomeister and some other psychologists and social social psychologists. It's really well-defined. It's really well-researched. There's a lot of information you can look up online. I'll have to put the PDF down below. Uh, it's, it's really clutch what Bomeister did. It's really good stuff. The SMV is your, it, it's what are you? Your, it's your level of attractiveness in terms of the sexual marketplace. So if you think of yourself on a scale of one to 10, what are you? Seven, eight, nine, 10. That's your SMV rating in a sense. Yeah. And I think every guy that's, that's out there knows the, the, you know, zero to 10 scale. Mm-hmm. See shit tests, AKA fitness tests. These are different from comfort tests. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Those are a little bit different outside the scope of this conversation. We're going to get into uh, tests a little bit later in the court and uh, in tonight's show, actually, we're going to go into some more details here in just a second. So there's subtle and sometimes not so subtle tests. Women do their congruence tests to make sure um, you are what you say you are. And this never stops. Even over on the Red Bull women's side, they check themselves to make sure they're not doing this too much to turn a guy off and become problematic. So it's important to note that it's not just women that do this, like men, uh, almost as a social conditioning thing, will shit test each other, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kind of, um, just poke and prod and joke and, and men are used to it from other men. Like they expect it. Yeah. If they, if you've been exposed to a lot of guys and you were in a fraternity or whatnot, um, you know, you, you come to understand those things. If you grew up with brothers, certainly you understand shit tests, but really to, to be able to understand them and pass them in the framework of what does that mean to women? That's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, it's what we call uh, bonding through you know, how we playfully bust on each other. It's the same thing. Uh, women will get along with people they don't like in the same sense where they're catty with women that they don't like. Whereas guys are kind of the opposite where we're catty, where we're busting on each other. But usually it's because these are the guys we get along with and we're, we're friends with. Whereas the guys that we got to play nice with are the ones we kind of keep at arm's, le- arm's length because we don't know them. You follow me? Yeah. I think to a certain degree, men, men take things at face value more than women do, but I, I don't fair. disagree with you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And I've said this before. Women have terrible game. When they are trying to be proactive, nine times out of 10, it is really bad. There's a and, reason most women don't propose to men. Well, there's that. And uh, women do not handle re- sexual rejection well at all because they're not acclimated to it. Oh, my God. Yeah. They don't have to be because guys are always pursuing women. That's just the natural order of things. But as far as how this this third bullet point goes, or fourth, occasionally there's a rapport break as a ham-fisted form of flirting. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this, where they they're, they want to flirt, they don't know what to say, and they say something that's really socially awkward that is just not socially acceptable in most cases. This is where you get really harsh shit tests that were not meant to be cool. shit tests, or yeah. harsh. They are meant to be flirting, and you see this all the time. We'll get into those uh, examples in a little bit. What was that, uh, Mike? No, it's uh, absolutely it, it. It it lands as being super critical. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's probably the best way of putting it. Is when women are shit testing and they come off overly critical, there's usually one of two reasons why. One, they're just not good at game. Two, they are actively trying to blow you out and and shoo you away and see how you handle it. Well, there's yeah, 
Well, that that's part of the underlying course of shit tests to begin with. So handling shit tests, you can, uh, well, right here, shit tests are from the, in the bigger picture, they're a form of rapport break. And we're going to go more into detail on rapport breaks later on in the course for the purposes of what we're talking about right here. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Uh, you've got the, the, the big three, a green amplify. You can change the subject or you can ignore it. Some additional ones that we've kind of developed over the years is the pressure flip. And then you've got the nuclear option. And this one is really good when they're really being harsh and trying to blow you out. And typically this is with women that you've never met before. And maybe you've been uh, uh, approaching women out in the social setting. You're getting along with one of the girls. And then in walks the, the alpha female of the group. And she's just like, who the hell is this? You know, she tries to get rid of you because she's not the one getting attention. This is when you see this kind of stuff where they're, they're attacking you in such a way. It is a shit test, but it's a really, really abrupt, negative, really in-your-face type. This is where that nuclear options is good. Oh, or you just man. deny them their sexual worth and just shut them down. 100%. There, I, but I, I would add to that. Uh, yes, it, it can happen with women that don't know you. It can totally happen in the context of a relationship or, or a marriage. I mean, if you're in a long-term relationship and all of a sudden something pops up that's unexpected, every guy that's dating has experienced this what was this text that you just got? And all of a sudden it goes for, you know, the intensity goes from here to here. And that is a form of shit test. And the only way to, uh, the only way to actually handle that is to pass them. And so we just, you know, covered a couple of those of, you know, a green amplify, change the subject, ignore it, all those, you know, pressure flipping, nuking it, which is just nuking is basically just, just fuck you, cut it out. Don't, don't do that. Right. I, I would um, go even that's more of a uh, you're kind of ignoring it or changing the subject of uh, the nuclear option yeah is where uh, what is it that you know you, you're you go on the attack at that point and it's usually going to be denying yeah. their Don't sexual value right that's so an example of the one that comes to mind is where if a girl walks into the group she's the the leader of the group and she's attacking you like actively just trying to shut things down because she's not getting the attention or mm -hmm. she doesn't know you so she's threatened by it and things are going negatively, then you can just say, you know, look, I don't like you. It's okay. You yeah. know, I'm not going to like everybody. I'm just not attracted to you. And then you immediately go back to the people you were talking to. I have like, there's no way to recover from that. I have an amazing story about this that I'll save for the discord after the show. All right. But yeah. that, oh, that happened to me. Good, uh, good segue. Good advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a pressure flip is good. Is a, uh, where you just kind of flip things right around immediately and you put the onus on them. Good example. Uh, say she's doing, she's giving you a test about your car. What kind of car do you drive? You might hear that. And you just immediately, you don't get reactive. You don't get startled by it. If you can answer yeah. it and immediately flip it where, so Chevy, how about you? you. Yeah. How about you? As soon as you rattle that off, you just turn it, you flip it right back around. Now they're the ones who are being qualified. Mm -hmm. The important thing is to not be phased by it blow through it like it's nothing and immediately flip the question back around on them. So it gives you that position of power in a sense. Quick piece of thing, advice. No, no, sorry, go ahead. Well, the main thing is to not be rattled by it. That's, oh, yeah. that's the key thing to take away from this. Quick piece of advice for you guys just starting out is women sometimes conversationally just want you to hit the ball back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just want you to just be able to hang in there and, and not really, you know, not make an unforced error. Yeah, I said it before that these are all just different types of rapport breaks. Rapport breaks have another term. You know what it's called? 
flirting. Yeah. So if you think of it in that sense, when you get a shit test, it's just their way of flirting. So sometimes it's a little bit harsher than others and just kind of in your mind, pat them on the head like, oh, you're retarded. You just don't know any better. Yeah. The, so. the one that's not written here, um, you know, from the, the married red pill uh, side of things is the amused mastery, mm. right? Is the, oh, that's cute, right? Like you're not affected yep. by it. And that's, you know, sometimes that can, that's kind of a cousin of ignore it. Um, but yeah. that's the other one is amused mastery is nothing gets to you. Uh, it's it's that and kind of an agree to amplify to, uh, to absurdity. The absurdity is the the amusement part where you're flipping it in such a way you're agreeing and amplifying it and you're making a joke of whatever it was that they just said. So it's self-amusement. That's the key part, self-amusement. Mm-hmm. Right, moving on. Social proof. Perceived value of someone in a social setting. So we've talked about, uh, well, we haven't talked about in this course. I've done it on the uh, the Sunday show a while back. Status is the number one driver of what makes men attractive to women. So yes, male attractiveness is an amalgam of status, looks, money, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. But out of all of those, status is the number one driver. So this is where you've got guys who have what we talked about before the show. Whenever you go to a concert, the guy on stage that everybody's giving their attention to has this high status in the room. These checkout magazines at the uh, these at the uh, in, in the grocery store. James, do you it's, want to weigh in on the uh, the social proof piece? Oh, social. I, think, uh, I mean, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess social uh, SMV being directly tied into social status is the most powerful tool of attraction that there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying before the show that that's. Oh, oh, what you said before. Yeah. The one singular truth. Oh, you mean the one singular truth? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're everything, you can trace everything in the red pill back to like tribal. We evolved in tribes. And if you're the chief, obviously you get the most attention from women. So, well, no, it was that specific quote you had uh, come up with. What? That it's the one singular truth. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I I think that's true. Status creates desire was your point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we talked about this before, like I said, with the, the magazines and like um, Elvis, you know, the Beatles, women were losing their minds, you know, they're passing out because they like these guys so much, but these guys were just kind of goofy looking. What gave them all of their attraction was their status. And that was the formation of the celebrity kind of uh, what makes celebrity so attractive Notice that it's not necessarily the guys. Guys like yeah. the celebrities because they're good looking, but there's a lot of women that are celebrities that most guys are like, no, nah, no thanks. But <laughs> yeah. on the flip side, you see a lot of women who are going to be attracted to guys just because of that status. And but again, I, start, I was starting to talk about this before with these magazines and the checkout counters. It's not guys buying these magazines. It's not guys who really care about celebrity life. But this social proof stuff is kind of where it's all, it's a microcosm of so, uh, uh, status being attractive to women. I think that's so interesting for two reasons. Like number one, there's, there are NFL guys or NFL players, or there are formula one guys, there are professional soccer players worldwide that look really goofy and other, you know, they're just, they've got supermodels, right? That they're dating or they're married to. Well, otherwise, if they, if they didn't have the status, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be like, you know, that was, nowhere in life. Yeah. if that was a guy that was packing groceries, this dude would not be dating that woman. And every guy knows that as a fundamental truth. Women know that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I, I think the, uh, actually, I, you know, I forgot about the second piece of that, but the first piece of that is, is <laughs> a fundamental truth that, that every guy and woman knows. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's been studied out the wazoo. The, there's a whole show about this on, um, discovery, the science of sex appeal. They did a deep dive into this. I may have gotten in trouble with the, the YouTube overlords by sampling too much <laughs> on uh, the Sunday show. So yeah, you can look it up. I, I'll drop a link in here later. It's status is king. I've always said this. It's it's absolutely true. Status is king, and okay. it's going to drive your attractiveness throughout your life. You can only hit the gym and uh, and do all the things we tell these younger guys to do for so long. Once you're in your fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and beyond, I don't care how good you look as far as hitting the gym goes. You got to have other things coming into in the focus to make yourself attractive to women in that primary market segment that you're always going to be attracted to. We've talked about this before. Cross-culturally, across age ranges, men are almost exclusively primarily attracted to women in their early 20s. doesn't matter if they're 50, 60, 80, 100. Women are still going to be attracted to them, attractive to them in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Then you got guys like you know uh, Vachi, Hugh Hefner, uh, what was that Italian president who got in trouble there for a little while with the Bonga Bonga uh, parties? Oh, yeah, Bunga, so yeah, these guys are in their <laughs> 60s, 70s, whatever, and these women are still massively attracted to them because of their sky high status. Mm-hmm. So, and yes, money and power kind of comes into that. Power is uh, a form of status. Being yeah, rich I is mean, a form of status. Money and so, power can get you status. Absolutely. Especially when you get into a certain echelon where you're, you're like billionaires, where they're spending more money in a weekend, and like it's nothing than most what most people wait, make an entire year. That's it's what's mind boggling. It's these lifestyle differentials, right? It's like yep. these people live differently than the normal person, and it's and it's absolutely. Evident. And when you see that how evident it is based on their behaviors and the way they throw money around, like it's nothing, it really does boggle the mind sometimes. I remember a story. I don't want to dive into this too much, but. Uh, he was one of the princes or Saudi royalty. And whenever he would travel somewhere, he would send out an advanced crew. They would go and buy all the stuff that they would normally have back home, spending about $50,000 per weekend anywhere they go. Yeah. Because it was just easier to buy the clothes and have it all That's done it there. Yeah, it was just easier to do that than it was to bring all their shit with them. But they're dropping oh, like 50 grand a day like it's nothing. That's just wow. Yeah, when I lived in when I lived in Florida, uh, the you know Bush Gardens uh, in in Tampa, the Anheuser Busch Corporation would actually hire young college girls to just their entire job was to take the Bush family uh, sons actually before they sold out to InBev around, and and their entire job was basically to be not not I don't want to say glorified concubine, but essentially like like cruise director for them actually going out and and uh and meeting young girls you know in a college town yeah that, that that'd be a nice problem to have go yeah. out and find me some girls for me for a while pretty much that's yeah that's money so anyways uh the last portion of this section of the class that we're going to touch on tonight before we dive into ioi's which stay with us it's coming up is women like sex believe it or not they may not have the testosterone that men have but they still like it you know uh, again, look at women's advertising in these uh, these supermarket magazines at the checkout counter. You see this all the time. Focus on what they're focusing on women or telling women to focus on. That's the key takeaway here. So how to get sexy, how to track the best possible mate, how to have more sex. But then they give them sex tips. And it's usually for the man's enjoyment 
And it's all shaped around getting a guy, a high status guy that they want. And it's not just about uh, like guys, like how do you go meet women? No, 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 no. This is giving women the tools, how to get the guys they want and keep them. And usually it's almost always through some sort of relationship with sex. Sex sells, yes. But it's just interesting to me that the whole thing is shaped around women's uh, utility with sex. And it's it's not just Cosmo. We're going to get this just a second here. So some examples. Let me full screen this so you can see it. Mm-hmm. So you got sex pulls, the sex angle, feel sexier, sex extra. It goes on and on and on. And it's not just Cosmo, okay? This is a, a fitness magazine, Glamour, Scarlet, I think is towards younger women. Uh, Red Book has nothing to do with sex usually. It's still in there. Got two of them right here, you know? Uh, self, another fitness one, another fitness one. This is similar to Cosmo. But again, sex all over the place. L, uh, let's see here, self again. And it's not just towards adult women. This is teenagers too that get targeted with this. So love and sex secrets for teenagers. Uh, so again, being mindful that a lot of our media is geared towards women in the sense of making them maximize their sexuality in a utilitarian way. So, and the reason I have this slide up here is because you never know when you're going to have underagers slipping into the bars or clubs. So know your yep. state's age of consent laws from a, you know, it's cover your ass, right? So I'm not advocating you go out and hook up with teenagers. Well, that's but, one heck uh, of a public service announcement. Yeah. But I'm telling you what, we had this problem when I was in the reserves going out of state. Uh, some girls slipped into one of the uh, clubs down there. Uh, one of the guys hooked up with her. This whole big brouhaha happened before I'd gotten to the base. And uh, yeah, so the guy hooked up with an underage girl and all hell broke loose. This is where I learned that when you cross state lines, it doesn't matter what the state's age of consent laws are. It's this, It goes federal. Then you got to be 18. Yep. So that's where you got to watch your ass. So, yeah. Well, let me let me lighten it up here and Oops. give Go everybody. Right uh, so th- this is a, this is a quick tip for guys that are like, if you're out there, even if you're like you're spinning plates, you're out there just talking to women, you're just starting out, you're in a relationship, doesn't matter what it is. If you are having a a conversation with a woman that you are not in a romantic relationship with ask these things, right? Like bring these up as a topic of conversation. Like there's a, I forget it was the rule of, uh, one of the rules of Pook. Um, go back and read the book of Pook, but the, one of the rules is essentially like make yourself known to be a sexual person. And the way to bring this stuff up without being overt about like, hey, I want to get in your pants is to say like, hey, let me ask you something. Like, uh, you ever look at those women's magazines? Like what do they, what do they say about like your, your top three guys that you, you know, would have on your list that you would have sex with no matter what. Like, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, right? Or what, however you can work that in the conversation of like, when was the last time you picked up Cosmo? Like, I don't read that garbage, but I was in the grocery store the other day and I, I picked that up. So I want to get a woman's opinion. Anytime you can work that stuff in, it's a great segue. It's a great, just, just get people talking about something that'll lead you to a conversation. That's not like, you know, what do you like to do in your free time? Do you like to fly kites? That sort of thing. Yeah, escalating to a sexual frame is a good thing. It just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of uh, practice to get good at it and be socially congruent. You can't just jump to it as a non sequitur. It really throws off red flags in a lot of cases. But totally, there's there's a time and a place for it. We're going to get into how you escalate towards that later on in the course. 
uh, when we go into the SMV stuff. And the so difference the gap. as to when to know to do that is, is are you getting IOIs, right? Yep. And with that, that's a good segue. Bring up the, uh, the other. Let me, uh, where's it at? Bear with me one second. There we go. IOIs. Boom. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make this full screen. So some active indicators of interests. So they reinitiate the conversation. When you stop talking, you get that so dot, dot, dot. Everybody's been there. When you stop talking and you have that awkward silence, let them re-engage the conversation. If they do, that's a huge IOI that they're interested. Uh, giggling when they laugh at your jokes, even if you're not, if you're being stupid, they still laugh. That's a good idea. She touches you. Um, she tries to get rapport and build comfort with you. That's again, that so is an example of that. Eye contact when it happens for, uh, when she holds it a little bit longer than is normally comfortable. That's a good indicator. Uh, smiling, obviously walking by and she turns your body and, or you get that, that, that casual brush when you guys are talking or standing side by side. Uh, let's see a functional opener on you when they make it. So let me give you an example. Now it's not always an indication that they're interested in you per se, but when you've got an entire crowd of people and they specifically target you for a question that it could have asked anybody, especially if they've gone out of their way to ask you when they had somebody 10 feet closer, they could have asked that's an IOI. Hey, you know, do you know what time it is? But she passed 10 people to come over and ask you the time. That's an IOI. That's the context that, that kind of applies in. Uh, when they're playfully and they, they try to challenge you, that shoulder punch in the arm being fun, uh, playing with their hair. That's a, a really non subtle nonverbal cue. Uh, that, that when you get grooming, grooming kind of features, those are, are IOIs. Let's see here. When she mentions your girlfriend without knowing if you actually have one, she's inquiring. All right. Let's see here. Uh, when she has to go to the bathroom and she comes back. Or when her friends say, we're going to go to the bathroom and she st uh, stays put and lets them all leave. That's a huge one right there. Mm -hmm. uh, she avoids mentioning her boyfriend. This, I want to touch on this for just one second. A lot of women who have boyfriends, well, it's the boyfriend test. So we kind of do a quick little uh, uh, divert here. If a woman likes you and doesn't have a boyfriend, she won't mention it. If a woman does like you and she does have a boyfriend or doesn't have a boyfriend, how can I put this? I'm botching this, this thing. I'm going to have to trim this out later when I do the clip. It's uh, when a woman has a boyfriend and she likes you, she won't mention them. If she doesn't like you and doesn't have a boyfriend, she will mention one. It's the boyfriend kind of objection. So it's just one of those really weird quirks that women will do. It's almost like a shit test oh, yeah. in some senses. If but she doesn't like you and she doesn't have a boyfriend, she'll mention her boyfriend. Right. And even yeah. in some cases where they don't have a boyfriend and they do like you, they'll still throw it out there just as a shit test. doesn't yeah. make any sense. I feel like that happens more often than, than not. Well, and I've had, I've talked to women about this. In a I want to hear cases, James on this one. Well, okay. I was just going to say a lot of times it's just their autopilot. It's their autopilot response yep. that they've just been using for so long. But yeah, James, you're a little bit younger. You might be more in the uh, in the ground floor on this. What's your take on that? On uh, what? Sorry, I had my headset off for one second. Oh, on the uh, the boyfriend objection. What's oh, your? Yeah, uh, you, yeah, you like said I you've said, seen this a lot. Yeah. Like I said, it happens a lot where they're like, "I have a boyfriend." I feel like 
more often than not, and it's 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 just like a shit test that you're. They like to use it more as a shit test. They'll use it definitely to like for guys that they don't want to uh, hook up with too. But that's different. Like if that happens, it's obvious in a way. It's hard to describe, but you just have to take cues from body language. Yep. All right. Going yeah, it's back. an interesting point. If you've been getting steady IOIs and all of a sudden she throws out the boyfriend comment, then that's a shit test, right? Right, and like then you say something like, he, uh, like he can join or whatever. Well, like, oh, good really, for you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. Amplified, you know, good for you. i got a boyfriend as well. Yeah. Like It's right. 2020. No big deal. <laughs> so many ways to handle that. <laughs> so if you, don't have, if you don't know how to handle shit tests, rewind the video. We already had yeah. a screenshot up there with all the uh, different ways to do it. Oh man! If we you could, need we examples, an, uh, head on over to the Discord afterwards. We could spend an hour, yeah, an hour just talking about how to handle shit tests. Yeah, that's this is kind of we're touching on it right now. We're going to go into it deeper in the uh, later on in the class when we talk about rapport breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, where did we leave off here? It was uh, oh the boyfriend? I just yep. where is it? At she here? says or does something. She looks at you to see your reaction. Yeah, I just where the hell is it at? Uh, yeah, she may avoid avoids mentioning her boyfriend when she says or does something. She looks at you to see your reaction. Yep. yep. Uh, let's see. There's a male version to this to test and see if she's following your lead and has kind of accepted your frame. If you turn and look at something and she turns and looks the same thing, she's following your lead. That's a good sign. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. She looks that's at you a- from the side to hide the fact that she's looking. She introduces that's a huge you to- piece of advice you just gave away right there. Oh. Hopefully that's it's being a good leader. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, she looks at you from the side. She intru- introduces you to her friends. Uh, she buys you a drink. She calls you a player or a heartbreaker. She's that. That's oh, that. Remember foe. I said last week. If she drinks from your drink, yeah. If you are out of the bar and you don't know this woman, and she drinks out of your drink, she will make out with you. That is that is a tested theory. I like it. Let's see. On her way out, she reapproaches you and tells you that she's leaving. That's women speak for ask me for my damn number, you idiot. Yeah. Uh, let's see. On your way out, she asks where you're going. She's that's her. That's girl speak for invite me along, you idiot. Uh, let's see. She pushes up her breasts. Sexual escalation. This is that physical contact. Um, oftentimes, you'll be sitting side by side or standing next to each other, and your sides are touching. If she's comfortable with that kind of contact, that's a good sign. Not only is that a good sign, but you probably should have escalated 10 minutes ago. We're going to get into that in just a second. Yeah. Cause like in most cases where you, when, when guys who aren't quite savvy, when they uh, often wonder to themselves, I wonder if I should have almost always the answer is yes. You were feeling yeah. it like in your brain was picking up on all the subtle nonverbal cues yeah. that you're, you're just not very brain, well calibrated. Just, yeah. You're not calibrated. You were reading the signals. You just weren't acting on them. So can, I, that can I actually, can we go back to the, the previous page? And I want to just like draw some large categories out on this real quick. Okay. Um, not to spend a lot of time here, but if, you know, it really falls into three separate categories here that we talked about before the show, which is proximity. If mm-hmm. they're close to you, if they're touching you in any way, if they allow you to escalate the kind of touch or if they're comfortable with it, they don't draw away from you. Proximity is key, right? Like yeah. the second piece is rapport seeking. If they're laughing, if they're smiling, if they're making eye contact, if they're coming back to you to start up a conversation, 
Uh, and then the third piece is curiosity and fascination. So the, the bottom part of this section has to do with, you know, I'll, I'll just pull one out randomly. She calls you a player or a heartbreaker. That's curiosity and fascination. She wants you to, she wants to know if there are other women that you are, you know, av available uh, or, mm -hmm. or that are available to you or other women that are, you know, it's a social proof thing. We talked about this earlier in the video. Like, are other women interested in you? If you're a player, so to speak, and you say, oh, yeah, honey, you don't even know the half of it, right? Then, A, you're passing the shit test. But, B, you are telling her that you are a high-status guy. You're broadcasting desire. And that is just reciprocating or reciprocating, accelerating the curiosity and fascination that she's got with you, right? I so, don't have any girlfriends, but I know a few women that would be disappointed if they heard me say that. Yeah, right. Exactly. So those are those are the three categories. Proximity, they are seeking rapport, and they have a curiosity and fascination with you. Yep. Uh, let's see. Passive IOIs. We started talking on this, touching on this a little bit ago. Uh, proximity, again, they stand nearby. And we, <laughs> proximity, especially in like a bar or a club setting, is something that you can actually time almost down to the second. It's hilarious. So typically you'll be out with your friends and you'll see a gaggle of women post up within six to 10 feet of you. You usually have about 60 seconds to approach that group before they mosey on to the next area. And oftentimes one of the women that has their back to you is the one that is probably interested in you because they're the ones leading the group, stops the group, the group kind of centers where they're at. So that person that was leading the group to where they're at to give your group proximity I should probably have my picture on because I'm like doing all this motion. The idea is, so think of yourself in a bar setting, club setting. When women are moving through the venue in a group, if they see a group of guys or a certain guy that they're interested in, they're going to park their little group within six to 10 feet away from you or thereabouts. And they're going to wait for about a minute. They don't realize they're doing this. It's just, they're kind of putting themselves out there waiting to see who's going to approach. And then if nobody approaches, they move on to the next area of the club. And that's just kind of how they mosey around a venue. And you see this all the time. Guys just don't usually recognize what's happening. So when you're out, once this quarantine shit's done, go out into the world and you're going to look for proximity. Nine times out of 10, one of the girls with their back to you, who was the one leading the group, they're the ones that are interested in you or your friends. It's not hard to kind of, once you see it a few times, you can actually take out a watch or a phone and time it. You got about one minute to make your approach. Uh, see, that's that's proximity. Uh, her friend leaves and she stays. We kind of talked about this. She moves to see you and hangs out with you for extended periods. Pretty straightforward stuff. If you move and she follows or waits for you, pretty straightforward stuff. If she doesn't flinch or pull back as you get close, this is really really important. Um, a lot of guys, they'll do like they call pecking. So you'll see them in, in a social setting where uh, they're talking. The guys are they're, they're going in close to talk. And then the girls are like doing this whole, they're backing out of the conversation. You yep. want to be able to get close a little bit and they're not backing out. You don't want to be pecking. Pecking is bad. But when you get close and you can get that that cheek to cheek kind of contact where you're talking to each other's ears in a very loud venue. You're leaning she's standing in together. There, you're leaning in together. If she's comfortable with that, huge IOI. You're you're escalating yep. properly. Let's see here. Uh, when your body's touching some way that she doesn't break contact. I've touched about talked on this before. A good example of this is when you're sitting side by side or standing side by side, 
and your legs or your hips are touching. Uh, you may have an arm around them and you're, you're talking in each other's ear. That close physical contact and proximity is clutch. If you're getting oh, yeah. that, you're in a good way. Even before that, like if you if you want to pull the one to hold these, like you you turn and you and you and you go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh, I touched your arm, like uh, you know, one of those kind of things. Are like, oh, excuse me, um, and just making up, you know, played off as inadvertent. Then that's a huge piece as you escalate of like, you. It's a barometer check, is what it is, of, of like, oh, I touched your arm, like, oh, whoop, uh, excuse me. I, I don't I necessarily put an over. emphasis on it because it, that can come off. There, there's a time and a place for that. But no, yeah, true. I would definitely it's a measured thing where you've got to as you gain experience and become savvy to this kind of stuff, there are a lot you'll of ways know to do when that. yeah, you'll know there's multiple ways to do it and when they're when it's time to actually do it. Mm-hmm. Uh let's see here. Where were we? She doesn't resist when you escalate physically. We've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. The three most important, I gotta put this on full screen. We've already touched on this before. These are the clutch ones right here. Make this full screen. Yeah, laughing. She giggles at your dumbass jokes, she touches you, and she reinitiates the conversation when you stop talking. Those are the three biggest, clear and concise IOIs that there that exist, in my opinion. Uh, special kind of an IOI is the approach invitation, which is simply a woman's cue to you to approach them. Now, you often see this, like I said, with proximity. Look for the women on the ends that are bored and disinterested looking around the venue. Get eye contact, smile. If they smile back, there's your cue to approach. Um, and there's this is just a small, small little short list. There's a, The list of IOIs is near infinite. Yeah, so, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, yeah, this, and, it, and there's I would a lot argue, to it, but there's, it's not an exhaustive. You're right. I, w- I would argue that for guys like eye contact is a huge key. I did this in the grocery store not long ago, actually. It's just there was a young woman there and I was, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get a line, you know, get through the the line, get get my groceries. And I noticed her. She, you know, you pretty young girl. And I just maintained eye contact with her mm-hmm. and smiled. And that's the only thing I did. Mm-hmm. And I uh, proceeded to finish my transaction, got my groceries, went out to the parking lot. And no joke, I'm pulling out of my parking spot and she she actually walks across the front of my car so that I can't pull out and she <laughs> waves at me. I'm not not a joke. Like I I I didn't do anything else to this woman. Didn't talk to her, didn't didn't actually didn't open a set, didn't didn't actually, you know, initiate anything. I just maintained eye contact and smiled and she literally walked in front of my car and waved at me and uh, and that was that. Yeah, eye contact and an eye flash or a smile, those three in any combination are great okay. ways to elicit an approach invitation. So let me give you an example. So you see a girl you like, like you just talked about, where you might smile at her. Uh, and then when she smiles back, that's your cue. Okay, go off, go over and uh, talk to them. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if you give them eye contact and give them the eye flash, you know what the eye flash is. Where you, like you look at them, smile, eye contact, and usually that, that that raised eyebrows, right? The eye flash in concert with a smile is just a friendly gesture that conveys oftentimes a reciprocal reaction. Boom. You've elicited an approach invitation through your own actions. It's really easy to do, but most guys are just too damn scared of eye contact to do it. So when you see a girl you like, you don't have to smile, but you can definitely do the, uh, the smile with your eyes. And do the eye flash. So 
If you get some sort of reci uh, reciprocity, that's your approach invitation. Go talk to him. Don't wait for the one-second roll, the three-second roll, none of that shit. If you see a girl you like, do the eye contact, do the eye flash, smile, or some combination thereof, and if they reciprocate in kind, go. Yeah, let me let me just make a distinguishing you know uh, point here of it's it is an eye flash. It's a it's almost yeah. like a quick nod of like hey, exactly. Knowledge raised eyebrows. Like a, hey baby, you know, wink wink. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. And oh, it, this just kind of draws the larger point of like all this stuff is really subtle. When you when you get used to it and when you can see it, when you get calibrated to all this stuff, then you'll know how to actually kind of uh, communicate in a covert way. Of hey, it's a little you know, difficult to flirt with the camera, but you kind of get the idea. Yeah, I would think totally. We should get a video of like I'll, I'll have to uh, find a model and do some uh, examples for the camera, just kind of so people can see it later on. Good looking Maybe we'll be guy with a red hat. You know, yeah. just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> You're married. You got a wife. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. But yeah, you know, I could be a model. There you go. Nothing. There's no rules saying you can't do that. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we covered IOIs pretty well in depth. Uh, what else was there? We were going to cover here. It was uh, going blank on what the other one was. I we did the shit that. test. I think it, we talked a little bit about hypergamy. Yep. There's really not a whole lot to go into. Uh, we've got the Iron Rules of Tomasi next week. Uh, we kind of blew through this one pretty quickly tonight. We are in good shape. If there's anything else, oh, we get, do have comments. Uh, men bond using one. fake insults. Women bond using fake compliments. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Well, well put together comment right there by Gear. Absolutely. Yeah, let's touch on that for a second. Yeah. The the interesting thing about um, uh, guys, you know, we touched on this about, you know, I, I, I have this, this, you know, call it hypothesis, right? About, you know, guys shit testing each other is just a primer for you interacting with women, right? Like that's the made, that's the minor league ball, right? If you can't handle your, your friend giving you a hard time, then how are you going to handle a woman just throwing you a shit test? You're not going to, right? That, that's my personal theory. But when, when you think about fake insults, right? Um, it's it's insults that you know you're it's not going to mean anything to your friend, right? right. You, you call your you call your friend a douchebag. That doesn't mean a damn thing to anybody, right? It's if you're good enough friends with that person, you call him a douchebag. That's not going to be an insult. You call a random guy at a bar a douchebag. That you might have a result. Uh, but right. you know, women bond in a completely different way. Um, I'd be I'd be interested to hear Joey in on this one. Well, this is kind of a, we've already talked about this before, where guys will keep other dudes at arm's length when it comes to busting on them, unless it's like an actual aggressive kind of thing mm -hmm. where there's, you know, it's a fight, fight or flight kind of thing. But it's when it's somebody that you know, that's when it's okay to kind of bust on them. You see this at work with coworkers now and then, uh, your social circle, friends, some maybe older brothers. Yeah, the busting on each other is absolutely the way kind of guys uh, bond for one. And you're right. It trains us for dealing with shit tests by women later on in life. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> fake, the fake compliment yeah. thing is interesting, actually. So yeah. when, you know, I, I would say this, like women would bemoan a lot of the tactics that, that guys use, a lot of the dark triad stuff, a lot of the negging, that type of thing. But I've seen women use them far more than men. Honestly. Who do you think guys learn this stuff from? 
No, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this, these are all just bastardized, you know, strategies from women. Yeah, mostly, yeah. Some of the best uh, material I ever got when I was younger was uh, stuff from female friends and family. Absolutely. So, and whenever it's it, that's what blows my mind. Whenever you hear women online or wherever bemoaning stuff that these guys were doing, it's like this is what you do. We learned this from watching you. So oh, yeah. remember those old commercials back in the day. Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely like that. So there's another um, one uh, in this world of messaging and hookup apps. How important do you think is texting? I think oh, I'll let I'll let you other guys the other guys weigh in on this, but I'll give them a minute to to, to think about their answer here. I think you know the the traditional logic. If you're in a if you're in a relationship with a woman, what as a general rule, let's just call this a general rule: is texting is for logistics. Absolutely right. Like texting game is super challenging. Social media game is super challenging because you. You cut out. And here's the reason why: is you cut out ninety percent of the important elements of communication, which are you know tone, body language, eye contact, those type of things. That all of those nonverbals, you cut out like 90 percent of that, and you're just diminishing your message to, at best, words. For for the modern generation, it's probably emojis, hmm. right? Like, how do you? You don't just send a woman an eggplant emoji with you know, and and it's done. It's not happening, guys. Like the, so, in in the modern world, you you need to be cognizant of all the things that we're talking about with shit tests, things like that, because those are going to come through via text. They're going to. And if you're on a dating app, that or a hookup app or whatever it is you want to, the the my advice would be to uh, engage quickly. You know, uh, try and create some kind of quick rapport, and then get them off that communication medium as quickly as possible. Like yeah. real quickly ask him and just say like, Hey, you open for, you know, do you like coffee? Right. You want to go grab a cup of coffee this week? That type of thing. Well, you said it before texting is for logistics. And the reason a lot of women stick to it is one attention and validation is really easy to come by via text Two, minimal investment. Three, it's a buffer. And these buffers keep the low quality guys at arm's length the high quality guys, they're going to escalate very quickly with. So if you're not able to escalate very quickly with women via text, you got some improvement to do, some work to do for yourself, uh, both in your text game, but also probably with your physicality. Because 90% of this is based on looks now, especially with like apps like Tinder and so forth. So you got to have uh, a certain level of fitness and looks going in your favor, the whole black pill kind of side of things. It is That's the reality. It is what it is. But the the applicability of having good text game is really kind of a fool's errand because if you're good looking, you got all this other stuff going in your, in your favor, you yeah. don't need to have to have a good text game because you're, you're just going to escalate laid. really, really quickly. You're not going to get laid over text. It's just yeah. not going to happen. So I don't even know. Like, like I don't even know if good text game is possible. It, it's not necessary. <laughs> <is my point. laughs> it's not it's necessary. Yeah, it, you're right. I think good text game is being able to escalate quickly in such a way that's relevant to your attractiveness level. Well, let me explain what I mean. Like uh, when I say good text game, I mean like you can pass a shit test via text message. Like hmm. if there's a clear shit test on a dating app and you can pass it with, you know, your amused mastery or whatever it is, you know, your, your, uh, agree to amplify, then that's the way to do it. Yeah. It's absolutely true in that the fundamentals still apply, whether it's text or in person. Yeah. So, so no, James is right. And yeah. I don't mean to disagree, but there are things that translate to some degree. And, and yeah, that's true. 
I think just what we were saying before, though, in terms of uh, it's a buffer that women use to uh, filter for guys that are just not high quality. And like used to be, well, more importantly, what you were getting at before, attention is sex for women. They get from attention and validation. Validation is what guys get from sex. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Validation is definitely sex for women. So you have to be cognizant of that. When you're texting a young woman or they're on a dating app, there's going to be a certain rapport you have in the conversation. And if you break rapport and she comes back again, then that for sure is, you know, if you, if you just stop the conversation for a day and she comes back and starts texting you again, and you can pick it right back up where you left off, then, then you're certainly leading the, the interaction there. I think that's, yeah. that's the way to play it. Right. Is, is, you know, if she's saying like, why didn't you text me? Hey, I haven't heard from you today. Just say, Hey, I'm, I, I've had things to do. Well, right? I don't think most guys are going to get that one. Women are going to be afraid of coming off as needy Two, True. most guys are not attractive enough to generate that kind of dread to get women interested in risk uh, coming off as needy. That's true. So there's that. That's a catch twenty two in a sense. It, most I mean, times, there, women have so many guys texting them day in and day day out that they don't have to uh, reach out to guys and follow up because there's going to be five, ten more already in the bucket, ready to go. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's if you're just in the bucket with the other guys. The whole right. point of all of this is to try to you know be the person that they're you know that they want to yeah. text you, even though. They're texting all those other guys. They want you to text them, and you're not. And it's like driving them insane. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. But the main thing to take away from this is that texting is largely for logistics. Not really. You're not going to get much more out of it. And if you keep it going, you're going to end up being the text buddy that she derives validation from, and that's it. So you got to be sure that you don't end up getting put into that little category where you're the guy that she taps for validation right. now and then by sending you a, a text, a feeler. And then you text a bunch of times, and then nothing ever comes from it. Right. Don't do that. Right, and when you say when you say most of the girls college in college usually do all the talk over text, that means that you are doing all the talk over text. You lead the interactions yeah. as the man. So that's this is all you, not them. Well, I would agree, except for the two thirds rule, right? Of like you know, give them two thirds of whatever they're giving you. Yeah, I mean, so, sure. Yeah, you're yeah. getting back to the uh, the Roycey two for one rule, where yeah, for every two texts they send, you send one back. I it it doesn't have to. It's not strict, right? But it's like don't it, you know if this if this if a girl is sending you you know one line text messages back, right? Like not oh, one I word. Mean, yeah. Not, like you know don't don't be sending her paragraph upon paragraph <laughs> and, and she's not responding. Like to, just throttle it back, guys. Yeah, I mean yeah, you rule. have to calibrate. But like if, I feel like if you're counting the text messages. You're also you're also so far off. Like you just need to work on yourself, because you should be at a place where it doesn't matter if you text a girl too much or not, because uh, either you know if she leaves, it doesn't matter. Do you see what I'm? If that makes sense, I well, do. Yeah. It, it yeah. really incorporates the outcome independence piece of this quite a bit, actually. That's a, and and that's a really good segue to the next question of you know if you pick up IOIs, how would you escalate without going overboard? I would say, you know, number number one, outcome independence, what we just talked about of like, you know, you you must be talking, you must be plate spinning, you must be talking to multiple women, right? That way, if you get an indicator of interest, there's not a, you know, there's not a lot of risk of if you screw it up, you know what I mean? Like if you're, 
if you're out there talking to multiple women, you got a, a lot of numbers in your phone and you don't pay attention to this girl who is interested in you. No big deal. Almost. Well, uh, there's also the two steps forward, one step back kind of methodology. Yeah. So you don't want to go too much, too fast, too soon, because then it's just going to throw up red flags. You make it ASD or LMR later on. If you don't have enough comfort built up, but think we're going to get more into this in the course uh, to answer this specific question of how do you escalate without going overboard when we talk about rapport breaks and the escalation ladder. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not sure what the escalation ladder is, go do a Google search for the uh, Vin DiCarlo Kino escalation ladder. It's out there. You'll find it. Great stuff. Let's see here. Next question. If someone were to ask you to condense the qualities of a high value man, what do you think the top three qualities will be? Uh, a degree of aloofness would be one. Got someone who's not very reactive or overly disturbed by the minutia. That's right, like emotional control, I guess. Stoicism, for lack of a better word. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that indicates one. a strong frame, for sure. Yep. Yeah, stoicism, I, I would, strong frame, um, three qualities. I would say oh. the second one is uh, high testosterone, whether that's like guys just ripped or if he's – you know, giving off that kind of aggressive tendency. And I, I don't mean like the, the the gym guy that just wants to like murder everybody for leaving dumbbells out on the floor when they're not supposed to. I, I just mean in the sense of like, guy's not afraid to make eye contact. Guy's not afraid to like position himself body-wise in front of other men or other women. A boldness. Um, yeah, just, just a boldness. Like I'm okay with myself and I'm okay to make space. And everybody everybody recognizes that guy in a room. That's a high testosterone kind of guy. And I think that I think I don't really know where I would place this one, but skill, uh, competency, skillfulness is pretty big. Totally. And I would say that across the board, whether it's career wise or what have you. You know, a guy with no hobbies is a guy that it's kind of suspect, right? Like if you don't have yeah. a hobby that you're decent at and you're, you know, in your now, if you're a teenager, you don't have hobbies. That's a that's one thing, right? Like you're probably playing video games. But if you're in your late twenties, early thirties, and you don't have any hobbies that you're decent at, like what have you been doing? Honestly, I'd say I would say kind of the dovetail on that is the uh, the piggyback on that is physical mastery in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So you don't have to be gym bro, but you do have to have some sort of physicality to you that's not just going to be, you know, two hundred pounds of uh, chewed up bubble gum. Make sure you got some sort of edge or mastery in that sense, competence, physicality. It could be a sport, could be a hobby. Maybe you do martial arts. Martial arts is one I always recommend. Uh, it's a good shortcut to getting this kind of this this this. I don't know what the word would be: aggressiveness, dominance, boldness. Yeah, you, you need to have that 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 drive. I drive. That's probably the best way of putting it. When you do some sort of physical activity, it creates a drive that kind of touches on what you're talking about with the testosterone. That boldness, mm -hmm. that confidence. Mm -hmm. So really, I think that's. I think we kind of hit all three right there. I think so. So if we summarize, confidence and drive. Yeah, to some degree, competency, emotional control, which is competence, right, from an emotional mm -hmm. standpoint. But you you incorporated the physical piece, but then the high testosterone. If you take out the physical piece of the high testosterone, it really is just ambition and drive. Mm -hmm. I like that. Confidence, ambition, drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. And competence, to and, James's point. Yeah. Confidence, confidence, confidence always, and drive. You, yeah, there it is. You've said it. 
Here we confidence, go. confidence, so, confidence, and drive. I mean, right. you know, yeah, and it's interesting if you look if you look at like, I don't know. It's just there's not a lot of. Hold on, let me get my thoughts straight. I was just a lot of the time I'll notice the girls are with guys who aren't like you know. You have to have something about you. They aren't with guys who are even we would call alpha, but they're just like. They they have their own like confidence. They do their own thing, you know. Uh, it doesn't to have to be like the really cool thing about like approaching a woman or being around a woman who's in a solid relationship with a decent guy. Um, the interesting thing about that is you really only have one guy to compete with. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, and then secondly, you can almost you it it almost gives you room to explore your frame because if you if she's in a relationship it's low stakes right she may not want anything from you or you can just kind of you can flirt with her anyway like so what she has a boyfriend just flirt with her you don't maybe you don't want anything out of it and that's fine but just practice there's a lot to be said for like going to the driving range right or just like practice and flirt with a woman maybe you don't want anything from her that's great right that'll give you experience for like if she's if she's actually giving you indicators of interest and she has a boyfriend you go oh i might use this on a different woman and it's funny that we talked about this when I first came up with the uh, the concept of branch swinging. It wasn't even this big revelation. It was more in response to something that Decibel had said. He was a PUA about 10 years ago. And he was talking about this very subject that when women are with a guy, it's just his turn. And that wasn't like just his turn, like in the way we know it. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of cases, women will stay with a guy longer than they otherwise should. And they're just waiting for a better catch to come along. If you're yep. a better catch and you all you're doing is presenting this, presenting yourself as an option, if she likes you and branch swings to you, okay, that's great. It's, it's now your turn, mm-hmm. but it's you don't lose anything for trying. Mm-hmm. All right. There's an argument to be made whether it's a dirtbag move to go after a woman that's got a boyfriend already or whatever, but that's game is amoral. Okay. It's yeah, not I, amoral. I, it's not moral. It's amoral. So I'm not, you throwing I'm not yourself make out there as an option. Yeah. I'm not going to make a judgment, but there's nothing there's nothing to be lost from actively engaging in conversation with a, a girl who has a boyfriend or, or even a girl who has a husband. You know, right. if you truly don't mean any harm and you're just like it is for sport, right? Like you're not trying to get in her pants. You're just trying to see like, hey, are there any indicators of interest out here? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's yep. the, the key is outcome independence. Right. Like, I don't care if I don't get anything out of this woman. I'm just going to have a nice conversation. And by the way, this should be in the context of game everybody. Right, game the old lady at the grocery store. Game the guy that makes your coffee in the morning. Right, if you're having that conversation and you are in an abundance mentality and have that outcome independence, you don't care what comes out of it. And if a woman who has a husband is throwing you indicators of interest, then you know what? Guess what that does? It builds confidence. You don't have to act on it. Yep. Nothing has you to. You know come you're out doing something right. But you you know, hey, oh, I you know what? I'm onto something here. I'm calibrated correctly. Yeah, whether or not you act on those IOIs, at least it's feedback that you're doing something right and you're learning from those lessons. Totally. From that socialization. I think it was Nietzsche that said, you know, when you're climbing the mountains of truth, even if you don't reach the summit, you're still training your powers to climb the mountain better than the very next day. Something to that effect. And it's kind of the same thing here where you're training, you're practicing. Even if you don't get the girl, at least you're working towards that goal. Action is all it's, yeah, you're putting those plans, those words, those learnings, those trainings into action. So for um, for guys that are going out, trying to meet women, trying to, you know, get laid, that type of thing, think about it this way, right? If you're stepping into the gym, 
are you going for a one rep max every day? You're probably not, right? You're practicing lower volume where you're working up to a one rep max. Think of getting laid as a one rep max, right? <laughs> like don't, don't test that every day, right? Don't, don't try to go out there to try and get laid every day. Try and go out and have a conversation. Try and go out and get a phone number. Just make that your marker. Yeah. And it's like, hey, if I can get a couple of phone numbers, I'll be happy with that. Like make that your goal. And, and that we'll way you're not so about, focused on, yeah. you know, the, the, the end state of things of like, I just want to, you know, stick my dick in something. That's, it's not, we're going to talk more about this over on discord after the show. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to preempt that. Uh, there's some more questions I think, right? Yep. So we got a zoomer, which is Gen Z. These are these uh, young kids just getting out of high school. Love it. Uh, so apparently Poor he's doing kids. pretty well already pulling girls uh, at his age. Let's see here. It's double. So, these social media apps are a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. His profile is really good. He offers a large pre-selection. Um, but is this a question? Is there anything that we can tease out of this? I don't think it's structured super well, but I think um, let me speak to the double-edged sword piece for a second, which is that um, it, it goes back. Go back and watch the uh, the previous episode episode three red pill university about propacuity about you know proximity on a dating app it's very difficult to make an impact because you don't have any kind of personal relationship or rapport with these women whatsoever that's absolutely super super difficult um you're gonna have more luck you know actually running game on women that you see face to face i don't care if it's at, at the coffee shop or whatever you know notwithstanding the quarantine stuff but um, in your school, you know, in your, in your day to day, people that yeah, your gym, people that you come in contact with, you're gonna have more luck there on the flip side of that. Uh, if you are on a dating app, which, you know, if you're a young guy, you probably should be, um, you are definitely playing the numbers. I have, I have actually been out talking to women and it had them pull up their Tinder or their Bumble or whatever it is. And what they are getting from a man's standpoint is straight garbage. I mean, it's absolutely the dreg. So it goes back, you know, go back and watch, you know, again, the, the episode three, the earlier part of this episode about sexual market value, understand where you stand, right? Like be attractive, don't be unattractive. It really makes a big difference in terms of how you present yourself on a dating app, right? If you can put a little humor in there, a little bit of your personality, texting is for logistics, but on a dating profile, like differentiate yourself, right? Get some decent photos, that type of stuff, I think, can set you apart in a big way and you're just essentially playing the numbers and what you're doing is trying to open up a conversation and get them to uh, you know get them off that medium get them to a, a place where you can actually talk to them so that's my my take on the double-edged sword piece yeah i mean i don't know i think always if you meet women in real life it's just it's just always going to be better even even if it's easier to get laid now through apps like you can have good pics. You can have a good profile, and women will fuck you. But I mean, I don't know. It just it just seems better in person. But you can do what you want. Honestly, it really it's the times are always going to change, and it's up to you what you want to do. I don't know what you mean when you say double edged sword. I don't know what the drawback is. Yeah, that's but, an interesting yeah. point. Like I nowadays, I think you know people are so you know, kind of involved in their phones that they're probably, especially after quarantine gets out, like they're going to be starved for 
real human interaction. That's a real good point you make. Yep. So I've kind of been staying out of this because I'm gearing up for the next question here. Got it. Uh, so he's a very active, humorous, extroverted guy. He's fine with his friends, but as soon as girls are in the situation, he clams up. How do you fix that? Well, you have got to get out of your comfort zone. Yep. So this picture says it all. So there's that's where the magic happens. This is where you're at in your little comfort zone. You've got to take that big step out of your comfort zone and then take another big step and practice and practice and practice. When you talk to everybody, you get used to being social with everyone. So that's a good first step. So like I said, the homework that I've done for this class or the homework that I've prescribed for this class is once the world goes back to normal, uh, 30 minutes a day, every day, talk to people that are not hired guns, not family, not friends, go out cold approach with no ambition or, or you're not seeking a, uh, a goal per se of meeting these people. The goal is to get 30 minutes of FaceTime with strangers to learn how to be social, to learn how to not creep them out, to learn the ropes of being social. That's all there is to it. That is the goal. So you're being outcome independent. So 30 minutes a day, I don't care if it's 30 one minute interactions, 60, 30 second interactions, or one woman that you hit it off with and spend the next half hour talking to. 30 minutes of FaceTime with strangers is where it's at. You do this each and every day. You're going to learn so much in just a month of doing that than you will probably than you ever would have from doing a book reading. Yeah, I would add just work up to it, right? Like yeah. when you when it when you say you're nervous when it comes to girls and you're introverted, I would say when you go out to take these risks and start up conversations, start up conversations specifically with women that you do not you don't you don't have an interest in. Right? Like just start talk to the old lady, talk to the 40, 50-year-old woman about, "Oh, hey, I see you reading the newspaper. Uh, is there anything interesting in there?" Like they just Start up a conversation. It's low stakes, and you'll get those reps in. You'll get used to what it feels like to actually carry a conversation. And if it I goes can't south, the and, last time I saw somebody reading a newspaper, usually it's on their phone now. Yeah, I mean, fair so, enough. There's your newspaper opener. There's your there. There yeah. you go. There's your <laughs> you know for roll the clock back. If it was 1987, there's your newspaper opener. Yeah. Because that's my advice. <laughs> is you know just just game women that are not in your interest group. Right. If you like, for example, if you are attracted to Asian women, like just, you know, game some woman that some other demographic that you're not attracted to. Like if you see a Hispanic woman, you're not attracted to them. Just make it a point to go up and talk to them. Oh, excuse me. I, I noticed that you were uh, I noticed that you were talking about X, Y, Z. Like, uh, you know, uh, I don't have a lot of experience with that. Can you tell me about it? That type yeah. of thing. Just it's yeah. low stakes. Right. Work just your way up, reps. start with what you're comfortable with, but then work out yep. of your comfort zone. And if you're like we just saying, so I think we've given you a little bit of a, a precursor to what the training wheels later coming up later on in the class will be. Uh, let's see here. And my advice is to gain SMV. We don't have to go yeah. into it, but improving SMV is the crux of the last leg of this course. All right, so it absolutely is. It's going to be a huge portion. Of these questions go to that, right? Of like, how do I do X, Y, Z? <laughs> Nine times out of 10, the the answer is just a, a very raw increase of your self-confidence, which is lift, keep your mouth shut, read the sidebar, like 
go out, get some yep. experience talking to people, gaming people, and just repeat. Yep. All right. So moving on, we got the next question here. I want to know what you think about marriage in the West and what the max end count you think is for someone you'd marry. Man, oh man, <laughs> I have really, I've, I've got really clearly defined uh, I, opinions on this. I, I think I'll let you guys talk about this because I've, I've already ran off on this one uh, on the Wednesday show enough. Look, if you're going to, if you're, don't get married. <laughs> Next question. I mean, it's, that, well, this that's, man is married. That's very fair. Yeah. It's, I was going to, I was going to give you guys a crack at this question as the only married guy on here. I was going to give you both a crack at this question before I took it. Um, no, the, the reality is the thing that the thing to consider is women are trainable. Right. So when you think about an end count is I, I would not ask the direct question of like, hey, how many guys have you slept with type thing? And and as a corollary to that, never. This is an iron rule of Tomasi, which, you know, we God willing, we you know next week we may have a, a miracle here. We may actually have the man himself, but um, never divulge your sexual history to a woman under penalty of death at, at all. Yep. But especially also don't give a shit about her sexual past. Like maybe, maybe, you know, keep a, keep a solid ear out for sure. And if she, if she will give up that information, pay attention, but don't ask these needy pointed questions about like, Hey, how many guys have you slept with? Like how many bases have you been through that type of thing? Um, I would think it's more important to, to vet for a lot of other things like, like desire, like her actual, you know, morals, you know, that type of thing. But that said, uh, when you think about end count, a woman just go back to go back and read the hypergamy slide. A woman who has a, had a lot of sexual partners will have her compass calibr you know, just broken almost as to what she has available for options, right? So if a woman has had a lot of guys around, a lot of orbiters, you know, go back to the earlier part of this episode, a lot of guys giving her attention, she's used to that. Right, her her dopamine and her brain, her rationalization hamster, is expecting that to continue. It's almost like a drug, right? Once you've had an alpha guy, Rolo has a great, great, great article on alpha widows. It's really tough to come away from that. So when you think about a woman that's kind of been the the town bicycle, been around a lot, it's tough to differentiate yourself, and it's really tough to think about getting into a, a long term relationship with a woman like that. And the big reason is because you are always, always, always going to be compared to the best guy that she had, right? Her best possible option. If her end count is low and you're a guy that is super attractive, that has a lot of resources, a lot of things to bring to bear, you got a strong frame and you are establishing the terms of the relationship, you're in a much better chance to actually train a woman to, to be in the kind of relationship frame that you want. Now, I'm going to chime in here. So I've looked it Please. up. This kind of answers the question, I think. Let me go ahead and make a full screen. Take this down so you can see it. I love that. So this is from the old Teachman study. And uh, there's a lot of correlation, maybe not causation, but it's still good information to have. So if you are absolutely adamant about going old school, traditional, conservative, blah, 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 you want to get married, you have to get married, then obviously the lower the end count, the, the better. If you're the only person they've ever had sex with, then you're golden. That's all there is to it. In reality, 
you're going to be hard pressed to find it. You're talking unicorn level yeah. uh, relationships at this point. So, especially in the West, it's possible, but not probable. So, the probability of you finding a low end count woman to marry in this modern age is so ridiculously rare. Yeah, I think you need to manage your expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as just getting married in general, I don't have a problem with it as long as you don't do the legal side of it. If you want to have the the wedding and the uh, the reception and have all the family come over and go go crazy test party, yeah, yeah. But as far as signing the dotted line and, and combining your households in a legal sense, as far as the state's concerned, absolutely not. The women get all the benefits. There's no uh, there's no return on investment for guys other than some marginal tax benefits and legalese that you can accomplish with a power of attorney. You talked about this being contract law, I think, on the yeah. The, uh, women's RP. Yeah, we talked about this in, in uh, yep. contract law from like a men's rights perspective. This is the only area of contract law where the person who violates the contract can be rewarded with cash and prizes. Mm-hmm. Marriage is the only time that that can happen. If you guys get married, she cheats and, all, and gets the uh, and destroys the marriage, she can still be rewarded with half your shit in the kids. And then you end up paying through the nose for child support for the next 18 years. It's the it, only James, area of contract law that, that can happen. James is not wrong. For most guys, it's don't get married. Honestly. Absolutely. That, that's for the general. Guys. I say this is yeah. I'm, I'm married. I'm happily married. But for yeah. most guys, it's don't get married. Yep. Look, I don't even know. Like, I consider myself like a person able to control a woman in marriage. And I, I mean, it's not. What's the point? If a girl wants to be with you, she'll stay with you. And if why sign a marriage certificate? Just You're talking about upside over. versus downside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking about, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. why would you ever sign the certificate? Why would there's you not get a ton of upside married? for guys. Yeah. And but that's the main takeaway is there's a lot, that you've got more to lose than you do to gain. And then there's the actual aspect of what Rolla talked about in one of the iron rules where, and I don't want to get into this too much because we're going to cover that next week where look at what you're giving up when you lock yourself down and you eliminate your options. All the mystery yeah. and intrigue and 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 all of it. It all goes right out the window. So you lose a lot, you gain very little. Yeah. In most guys' case, it's there's just no real reason to do it. Yeah. We have some In more questions case, I want to get to before we run out of time though. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um let's see here. It was uh let's see. Again, this is where expertise and experience will modify your uh, your perspective of the world. The more acclimated you get, the higher your confidence gets, the more socially savvy you are in these situations, the less that this stuff's going to creep up. It's just it's a, it comes down to experience. Mm-hmm. I would say expose yourself to a lot of situations um, and lift. Just just keep lifting because that will give you your own sense of self-confidence and you don't need to be validated by anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like you'll 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 realize like hey, I'm I'm happy with the way that my body looks. I'm happy with the way that I can carry myself through life. Um, if if I asked this guy for his deadlift, I'd be surprised if it was, you know, his his body weight. Honestly. Yep. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Same person. Some more question. Uh, so I've never seen this uh, documentary, so I don't I don't really have an opinion. See, women don't really care to talk about the talk and just want to get laid anyhow. 
sure for some, but without seeing this, I can't really give you an informed opinion. I know that a lot of, we talk about this in the Red Pill Women Show, where a lot of women are groomed through society to think that they should be doing what guys historically did by scattering the seed and all that, being promiscuous, and they think that that's going to somehow fulfill them. 20 years of that, they realize, man, I was dumb. And then they regret it, and then they're wondering where are all the good men at. It's like, well, they're in your 20s where you left them. So, yeah, there's a lot of regret in women that do this. So, yeah, whatever they came up with. Like like a, yeah. It sounds like a documentary about feminism, honestly, which yeah. I, I, you know, we're not here to promote. Like, feminism is not great for women. Like, let's, you know, set men aside for a second. Feminism is not great for men, but yeah. it's especially not great for women, in my opinion. And there are a lot of reasons why. Um, a lot of a lot of bloggers cover that a lot better than I do, but you know, in in my opinion, um, it's it comes down to two things, which is there's two schools of thought, right? There's like women are you know are inherently equal to men from a human standpoint, which is like a lot of people can get behind that, right? Like women are equal to men, great. Uh, the, but the second piece is like we have to compensate for the fact that men have been running everything forever, and once you get to that point, then you've lost me. Which yep. is, you know, you want the pendulum to swing back toward, you know, raw, raw women, and they're going to control everything. And I just can't get on board with that. Like, if you want to be equals, fine. But let's talk about all the, all the ways that we can be equals. Well, you got to take the good with the bad. And that's one of the things yep. that you never hear of. It's always about the glass ceiling. It's never about the glass seller. You always hear about getting women in the STEM, getting women to be more CEOs, being more politicians. You never hear calls for women to be more roofers, more sewage engineers, more people on these uh, oil rigs getting their hands off. Last week. Yeah. You, you never hear until you hear calls for equality in that sense. It's all privilege in a sense of they're just wanting equality of the good shit, not the bad. So, in a big way. And yeah. you, you're, if I can sum up your point, it's that women are equal, but they're not the same as men. Well, I'd say and, it, similar. It more, we have the equality of opportunity. What people do with that opportunity is up to them, and we should let the chips fall where they may. That's my perspective. Once you have the equality of opportunity, all bets are off. Job done. Now it's just up to people to live up to uh, their own individual expectations. This is where you get into the, poly- the uh, paradox of equality that Sweden found. Mm-hmm. The more egalitarian a society became, the more polarized uh, jobs became by gender. Women tracked more towards... Uh, uh, nurturing kind of positions with nursing and teaching guys went more towards engineering positions and it comes down to uh, predisposition. So the more egalitarian a society becomes, the more people are free to follow their predispositions. That's the uh, equality of paradox. No one has an answer of how do you fix that? The less equi- egalitarian societies, the less safe societies are, the more likely women are to do the hard work. You saw this in India with a lot of women doing in the STEM. It's almost, it's way more women in STEM than there are in Westernized societies because they need to, to, in order to get, you know, money for food to eat. Totally. So and, yeah, that that's, I think as far as we need to go on that one, man, that's yeah. like a rabbit hole right there. Um, but I, I like the, the way the questions you're trending and we, we may not get to all of them, but the interesting thing about this is, you know, they're talking about the questions are coming from a fundamental place of like, you know, can you talk about frame? Can you talk about how to actually, you know, pass a shit test, those type of things. I think these are great questions. 
This one is really interesting. How do you try to hold frame and not sound like you're coming off butthurt? Oh man, this it really comes into your 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 presentation and your frame. So I got to be honest, women are super yeah. observant, and if you yeah. feel for a moment like you are butthurt, you're gonna come off like you're butthurt. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know honestly what you mean. I can only imagine like that you think of frame that you're also thinking of frame in the wrong way. Yeah. It sounds like he's I, being reactive when it's being unreactive will kind of trump a lot of this butthurt kind of feeling. Yeah. That I don't even know. Comes up. If you have the stoicism on lockdown where you're just unaffected and you've got that amused mastery in your favor, this will never be an issue. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like you need to work more on your amused mastery. Question doesn't really even make sense. No, yeah, I get but, what he's getting at, but it's James has a point about how um, you know he he may not have a good understanding of frame. So I'd like to you know James, please jump into that, man. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what he's, but I I can tell you this: if you think, I feel like if you think that holding frame is like a verbal thing, I don't know. Yeah, like holding not... frame, you don't like talk about like. I don't know. I can't even imagine the scenario, and it's comical to me. So I, uh, but, but I think I, I get mean, what you're getting at. Frame is not something that you do or say. It's a way you think. It's a it's a mentality. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a philosophy for sure. Yeah, that's interesting, and and we see that on the the Mary Red Bull side of things with Reddit is, hmm. you know, holding frame is not. It's not just like keeping your shit together. It is literally. Being your own mental point of origin. It's like everything that you are and everything that you will be stems from, you know, one one singular point of, you know, self-interest. And and that's tough. That's really tough for a lot of new guys to get. This is also part of being internally validated. A lot of guys, they go out there trying to get girls because they want to be externally validated. You, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. You'll never – You. this is where you get a lot of these guys who they start getting girls and they still feel empty inside and then they – go sideways. Things go bad in, in some very serious psychological ways. If you're not internally validated, even if you are good with women, you're still going to have fundamental problems down the road. This is where yep. you see a lot of guys who get the girl and then the shit tests happen and they fall apart and then they end up slipping into the women's frame and then everything goes sideways. Internal yeah, validation like, is critical. It sounds like you're trying to, it <laughs> sounds like they're giving you shit tests and you aren't passing them. Well, that's what it that's, sounds like. Yeah, that's what it. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. All three um, of us agree. Yeah. And to answer this guy's question, Models is a good book. I'm still getting yes. through it myself on books on tape when I go run. Mark um, just, yeah. Yeah. It's so far, I like it. It's not the be all end all, but it's not bad. So, well, like I said, I'm only partway through it. So I, I don't have a fully formed opinion just yet. Has anybody else read this one yet? I have not read that one. I think I've read I haven't read two. it. I've, I've read a lot of his blog posts, and uh, the one that stuck out to me was the one that was um, – excuse my language because I'm about to drop F-bomb. It was fuck your feelings. Hmm. And what it had to do with is you, you are not driven by your emotions. Your emotions are fleeting. They are, they are only experienced in and of the self, that type of thing. And it, it had to do with um, – had a lot to do with that. And it, it helped me actually get rid of a couple of mental models that I – you know, didn't really need to have. It's super valuable to me. 
All right. So I think we uh, we've hit all the questions. We've hit all of the uh, the core material for the the concepts and philosophy. So out of this entire section we've in the course that we've had up to this point, uh, so for each of you, what was your number one takeaway thus far? Your number one important thing that guys need to know for the entire course up to tonight? Yep. Either, uh, you know, weigh in on live comments or if you're watching the stream after the video, like comment below, please mm -hmm. definitely weigh in. And Oh, no, I was asking for you and James. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, I'll let James go first on that. Uh, as always, raise your SMV. I can't remember what we've talked about in previous weeks, but that's the <laughs> thing that I'll just keep saying. So raise your SMV. All right. All right. I want to make sure I'm understanding the question correctly. So make sure to ask me that again. So out of everything we've discussed here in this course up to tonight's episode, what do you think was your, what was your number one takeaway? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I think um, for me, the number one takeaway is the, the largely the it's it's kind of what James said in the beginning part of you know before the, the show tonight, which is that status creates desire. And there's a lot of things that I understood at a very fundamental level, but didn't really distill down into one you know three words or one sentence. Um, it's you you could forget how to pass a shit test. You could you could almost screw that up. Like you could not necessarily have a great mission, but if you are, you know, a high status guy, if you are making sure that you're placing yourself in a in a in a status that's higher than other guys, then you are going to be you're going to come out okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the I guess the takeaway there is the process is sort of forgiving, right? In that. You don't have to be super great about gaming women. You don't have to be the best about passing shit tests. You know, if you're in a relationship, you don't have to be like the the ideal husband. Like there's there's some room for error, but at the end of the day, um, you know, status creates desire. You have to be in in a higher tier of status. Like so always be aspiring to the best best version of yourself and uh and if you're not doing that, then you are doing yourself a disservice. So that's my big takeaway. Well, you, you stole my thunder. I was going to say status is king, but I'm status, you yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my backup then would be that frame is everything. I think this is Rolo Tomasi's iron rule number one. Uh, yeah. Frame is, is where it all kind of, it's foundational. So frame, status, and maximizing your SMV. I think it's a really good summarization of everything we've talked to in this course up to this point. So I think we're going to call it here, guys. Uh, I've posted the link. Please come on over to Discord. We'll uh, continue the chat. 